0: At City we believe the Bible is God's Word, and as it's read and taught faithfully and accurately, it's God speaking to us. And so we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And in chapter 7, he's answering some of their questions around marriage and singleness. And so we're going to pick up from sentence 17 and read through to 24. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Only let each person lead the life Do not be concerned about it, but if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of of the opportunity. For he who is called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who is free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You are bought at a price. Do not become the bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. This is the word of God.
1: Alright, alright. Hi, everyone. Welcome. If I haven't met you before, I'm Cam. I'm normally at 4pm, um, and it's great to be here, I'm back and see a lot of you. Um, yeah, I'm one of the elders here at City Light. Um, and this is the, the final talk on our, our series on sex, gravity, and the glory of God. And speaking of gravity, uh, the world, we celebrated the moon landing last week. Did you like that transition? That was... Uh, that's a tidy transition. My poor community group has to endure those. But it's been, a, it's been 50 years since the, uh, the moon landing. Um, and uh, in those 50 years, culture has, has changed massively, um, particularly with the influence of the sexual revolution. Um, expectations on relationships have shifted. Uh, And as Jess has been showing us over the last three weeks, that we live in this zero-gravity culture where things are progressively uh, being pulled apart and there's little that unites people and there's uncertainty about what is good in relationships. Uh, And if you haven't listened to those talks, please do. They're they're, they're great um, and will be fruitful for your life. Uh, But the question for us today is, can the single life be worthy in a culture that says... You are unfulfilled without a sexual partner or experiencing sexual intimacy. And as just said, before you switch off, um, if you are married, uh, it is important for you to still hear this uh, because singleness is something that you will most likely deal with if you're married or not. At some point uh, during your life, through either the death of your partner or, or separation, you will probably deal with Singleness. And even if that isn't your experience now or for quite a long time, uh, there are people in our church family who are experiencing it. And so we need a biblical understanding of singleness that goes just beyond that kind of coping with it, as if it's some plague on our lives, uh, to understanding, as the Bible does, that it is of immense value and it is a worthy state to be in. In fact, if Jesus, the Son of God became a man, and was intentionally single, and lived entirely for the glory of God, it is surely worthy of our attention and aspiration. And so I want you to leave here this morning uh, excited and encouraged, uh, but I also want to, to uh, you to leave here understood uh, and heard and, and seen some of the challenges that singles face, and I want you to leave fed by how the Bible has an answer for these challenges, and it does. And today we're going to be looking at how the Bible says, and a couple cup on the string, that singleness is the anti-cultural script. Everyone, that's all right. Um, that singleness brings intimacy with the church family. Oh, there we are. Great. And that uh, it is meaningful in, uh, to your witness. And so before we get into it, I'm going to pray. So will you pray with me? Father, thank you that we can be here. Thank you that we are a church family. Thank you that we can uh, look at your word now and see what you have to say and see that there is a different script that you have written, that you had a plan for all eternity, and that there are many ways in which you call us to live out our lives to your glory. And so we pray now that wherever we're at, that we would see Jesus clearly, see that he loves us dearly, and that our lives are called to bring you glory in His name we pray. Amen. Well, it would be fair to say that um, one of the biggest challenges in a talk on singleness is that the progression, as, as Jez mentioned, that from singleness to dating to marriage and to family is a script that our culture kind of projects in everything. Um, and it's one that the church has picked up over the years and probably unhealthily exalted as the, the way the Christian life is to be, as Claire was saying. Um, now, they, they, there's nothing kind of wrong with this, you know, in that, in that this is a great thing. Um, many people have gone dating to, to marriage, have family. That is awesome. There are many blessings in marriage. We love that here. Um, but setting it as the example of how to conduct life is perhaps an unhelpful and unbiblical way of thinking. And for many, this isn't the path that they will experience. It's particularly challenging and unhelpful for our same-sex attracted brothers and sisters in Christ that, that wrestle with this idea of, of questions around marriage and relationships. Uh, and you may have heard something uh, uh, along the lines of this, um, of encouragement, of you, you need to hold on to the, groups, uh, to the truths of the gospel in your season of singleness, or, or something that, to that effect, your, your season of singleness. I let it slip all the time um, with this, um, and I think it's, it's somewhat of an unhelpful or uh, unintentional way of being uh, unhelpful, um, because it sets up this idea of the progression of seasons. So you have, when you think of seasons, you have summer, then you have autumn, then you have winter, then you have spring. You think change. And I think it's somewhat unhelpful, because for many people, singleness is something that, that won't change. And for many, it is a brilliant thing not to change. But, you know, for a lot of us, if we're honest, we look at it, uh, the singleness script, and it seems, it seems pretty unappealing. You might be thinking that, no, I don't want that to be my experience in life. I already hate the thought of having to move house or apartments because, you know, housemates are getting married or, or whatever. You may not even want to engage in that Corinthians passage, and there's a lot more in that in chapter 7, because the thought of pursuing that is, is bleak. It reminds me, um, a few years back, I was, um, I was an extra, I did some acting, and I was an extra on the Baz Luhrmann film, uh, Australia. What a classic movie that was. Uh, we've all definitely re-watched that one. Can I raise of hands, who actually has re-watched it? Cam, why did you do that to yourself? Not even like Netflix and Stan have it, because they're just like, we'll be right, don't need that one. Um, but I remember I was, on, um, I was on the set, and it was like 2 a.m., and it's freezing cold, and um, I'm sitting with a bunch of the other extras, and um, one of the guys starts talking about um, being a script writer, and we're all like, yeah, yeah, cool, 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 and, uh, and then then he pulls out a script from his bag of a screenplay he's written, you know, and, and a lot of us are thinking, gosh, like, please don't read it, like, please don't, please don't, please don't read it. Um, he did a little bit, but more importantly, he said that he's actually going to go up to Bas Luhrmann and hand him the script. Yeah, <laughs> this happened. Um, I felt like I was on an episode of like, the extras with Ricky Gervais. Like, it was weird. Um, look, I'm sure in his head he thought, you know, foolproof plan, Basil will be like, you know, overwhelmed by his audaciousness and like, let's get a meeting set up, multi million dollar budget. Um, in our heads, we were just like, we kind of wanted to watch the train wreck happen, um, but for all we knew, for all we knew, this guy like could have been the next Quentin Tarantino. He could have been amazing, but we didn't even we didn't even give him a second. And neither did Baz, um, <laughs> because our usual way of thinking and process suggests like you just don't do that. For me to suggest now that the Bible says singleness is a script worth reading. Amongst this culture that idolizes sexual intimacy and marriage, I'm a bit like that guy. You're unsure if it's worth reading. Unsure if you'd even entertain the idea. And it is understandable why. A culture has effectively positioned singles out of a desirable life path. Um, Singleness is a powerful source of marketing that many companies use to tap into our insecurities. A few ways they do this is they set up um, uh, the cultural scripts of singleness as um, you're single, or you're struggling uh, with dating kind of life, you must therefore be miserable, you need love, here's like a thousand movies and TV shows and why that's the case. Or you're single and you're proud to be so, you're, you're career driven, you're kind of doing your thing, but at the end of the day, you're still lacking that sense of completion with another person, so you know what, find, find that completion in our clothing, our product, whatever or you're single from tragedy or separation, and you must overcome the hurdle of your singleness again and find another person to re-complete yourself. For singles, some of these things are, are, are projected all throughout culture. And marriage and sex is this idol that we're kind of trying to entertain and find meaning in. But Paul's take on singleness in Corinthians is, is very different. In fact, he upholds it as a status that he would rather a lot of people be in in the church. Paul himself was single, and what he writes here is the anti-cultural script of our time. Look at what he says in 1 Corinthians 7. It'll come up. Sentence 25. Now, about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one by whom the Lord's mercy is, is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you from this. Paul says, if you're single, remain single, if you can. Because marriage comes with difficulty. A lot of the married couples here are kind of like, yeah, it does. <laughs> and, it's, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> but it, it, it's worth noting that um, this, this passage that, that Paul is, the, the people that Paul is writing to and the culture he's speaking to, there are a number of similarities to ours. You might be thinking that's just an ancient world, but there are. Marriage um, was what the Jewish culture was set up to be. From Genesis to be fruitful and to multiply and fill the earth, to the blessing of Abraham to increase his family and descendants. If you kind of look at the Old Testament, the singleness life, it doesn't fit kind of well into it. Yet Paul, raised a devout Jew, says he'd rather spare people from marriage. He's been brought up in this culture. Why? Well, consider what Jesus came and did. He arrives, and he challenges how God's people then and now think about the single life devoted to his kingdom. He himself was single, and he paved a way for singles where previously they were almost benched from the, the kingdom of God's expansion, yeah? And so we, what, what happens, we read in Matthew 19, uh, Jesus, he has an encounter with the, with the Pharisees, and here Jesus spoke of those who embraced their singleness... For the glory of God. And he calls them, it'll come up, um, eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 19. Now, Jesus does something unusual here. He, he makes up this category of voluntary eunuchs. And if you're unfamiliar what a eunuch is, they're, they're men who have kind of been castrated. And Jesus is saying here, not necessarily that they have castrated themselves, but by remaining single have have done that in refraining from sexual activity. Now this again, this is extremely counter to what Jewish culture saw with the command to go forth and multiply in marriage as the primary command. Marriage and having kids was how God's people grew. Sex was and is today a great thing that God has created to be experienced in marriage. And yet Jesus changes even this, and he presents the anti-cultural script to say, you can be single, celibate, and what an honor that is to conduct the work of God through your singleness. And this is the idea that Paul sets up to the church. He goes on to say, he says, come up on the screen, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affair, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affair. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, Paul is... Is saying, just practically, just taking a pragmatic approach, single people have a higher capacity to be more engaged in the devotion to the work of God than married people do. He's not saying that, that married people are incapable. No way he upholds it it is a great thing. And rightly so, married people should care about their marriage. They should love their spouse. They should love their kids. That is a right thing, and it brings God glory. But Paul says, if, if you need to get married because you cannot exercise self-control, then marry. Like, that's okay. And if you're kind of thinking, well, that's all well and good. You know, I, I, kind of, I see this. It's called, well. I can spend more time like, devoted to God. Um, but I kind of live in this culture where sex and romance is like everywhere to go. This is, this is, this is difficult to live in. And to settle the matter in your mind, as Paul says later in, in sentence 37, to be disengaged from sex and romance uh, for life is not a small thing when everything blasts it is. And there are other factors, aren't there, that increase the challenge that singles face. Uh, uh, there is family pressure. There are many of you here who probably feel the pressure from your family, whether that's a direct kind of, you know, how you go on finding someone, to the indirect pressure of of being the only single person in your family. And often that indirect pressure can be a lot more difficult because it's self-initiated. You know, the thought of uh, begins with you and, and it can spiral. You can say, you know, I'm the only single person in my family. Why am I the only single person in my family? Why haven't I found someone? What's wrong with me? God, what the heck are you doing? And these are unhelpful thoughts, and they equally divide your attention uh, from God. And so the question remains, how does the single person remain diverted to the Lord, as as Paul suggests is the case and that you can do, without spiraling when these thoughts come? How can you be joyful and thrive when there are so many things that are trying to take that away? Well, I think Scripture gives us a great understanding of how to do this and that is intimacy with the church family. We need to understand uh, intimacy. We need to, uh, we need to recapture that word and to consider that singleness is different in that you can have a breadth of intimacy with the church family that marriage cannot. Uh, Sam Albury, uh, a legend of a guy, in talking about singleness, he says this, it'll come up on the screen. We just can't imagine that there is a kind of real intimacy that is not ultimately sexual. It's a profoundly unhelpful, unhealthy way to think. We've downgraded other forms of intimacy because we put all our intimacy eggs in the sexual and romantic relationship basket. And it's true, isn't it? Uh, we've made the word intimacy into a, seg- a singular meaning, which is sexual. But what's the Bible's understanding? Well, Ephesians 5 um, paints this beautiful picture of marriage, of the intimate relationship between a husband and wife, and the relationship that that reflects between Christ and the church. Um, but it's interesting, you read that passage, oh, hello dog, uh, you read that, uh, but that, that passage is set in the context of, the, of, of what comes before it, where we are a body of believers called to unity, that there is an intimate bond As followers of Jesus, it says this, it'll come up. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is properly working, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Followers of Jesus are one body working together in love. It's kind of like this. Um, I don't know if you've seen much David Attenborough, um, but I watched an episode and it stayed with me and it showed how these emperor penguins survive in the Antarctic. Bet you didn't see we were going to penguins there, did you? <laughs> but they, they do this amazing thing. Look at that. They do, it's phenomenal. Uh, they do this amazing thing where they all gather, gather together in this one big huddle to keep warm. And what the penguins, oh, let's keep it up there. Let's, yeah, yeah, thanks, Cam. <laughs> um, and what they do is that even from those penguins in the outside rotate inwards. And so they all kind of are working in this system of rotation to protect each other uh, to survive. And um, as you look at that aerial shot, it's like they're one body working together. And this is the kind of image that, that Paul gives to demonstrate how substantial it is being brothers and sisters in Christ. That there is an essential intimacy in being one in Christ and we are to work together to love and whether we are married, single, divorced, whatever, that we are one body. That there is a familiarity among believers that is unique and is precious and it is intimate. But even within this one body, there, there is a difference uh, in intimacy between marriage and singleness. It can be probably put like this. Uh, and to clarify, these are, these are both good. Uh, in marriage, uh, there is a, a depth of intimacy uh, and relational union that singles cannot experience, and rightly so. Uh, there is a depth that is representative of the image of Christ in the church that is kept from marriage. It is unique in this way. It points us to that relationship. However, singleness can have a, a breadth of intimacy through friendship that, 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 and presence that marrieds cannot. Now, this isn't to say that marrieds can't have lots of friends. Of, of course not. They, they do and they should. But the flexibility of life that Paul talks of is the one that allows for this breadth of intimacy, for significant intimate relationships, to serve the body of Christ as we have been called into. There is just a higher availability for you to get to know and care for others, You can care for the widows. You can care for the orphans. And what a God-glorifying thing that is. You know, a few weeks ago, I was on holidays, and and Jez gave me a call um, to help move his washing machine with him. And I said, when do you want to move it? And he said, oh, whenever. I said, I can be there in 20 minutes. He said, great. I put on some work-appropriate pants. Off I went. Done. End of story. That's all it took. I didn't need to contact anyone. I didn't need to look after anyone. I could just go. You know, last year I went to China and I visited my brother who'd been living there for two years. Um, I booked a flight. I was there two weeks later. I could spend quality time with him and my uh, sister-in-law. Um, we could chat about various things in life. Uh, he could show me where he had been living. Um, he could show me all around Shanghai and things like that. We went and climbed the Great Wall of China. We like slept overnight in a watchtower on the Great Wall. Um, Overall, we had this great time, and he felt loved. I came back to Australia like a week and a half later, um, and that was that. Life just continued on. That's the story. Over five years ago, I, um, I went to the UK, and I saw my family. I then, uh, on the way back, I went to Italy, and I visited the Edwards, who are the missionaries that we support here, who are now going to Ireland. But Long story. But um, it was a simple process, right? All I needed was my luggage and me and off I went. I spent some time with them and I, and I could help them out in, in, in a difficult transition and situation they were in. And I know these examples, you're probably thinking like, hey, you know, you're single and you're just free. That's the kind of, you know, go nuts life. Um, I just want to encourage you to not forget that these are good things. It is good to have this level of freedom and to use it to love others. It doesn't mean to waste away your kind of time on holidays and travel overseas and all that, but we shouldn't minimize the capacity that singles have to be present with others in a way that families just can't. Jesus himself was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard because of how much time he spent with people just hanging out with them and eating. Jesus used his singleness and freedoms to bless those people around him. The other week, um, a few uh, from my missional community group, we were um, saying farewell to um, one of our brothers, Tim Atkins, who has gone over to be part of a church in Germany now. Um, Again, single. He could just do that, up and go. And we could just stay out longer because we didn't need to come back to kids. We could just go out and love him. There is a breadth of, of relationships that singles can have that's a different form of intimacy. But if you're, if you're single and you're kind of like, that feels all well and good and what a cool thing that it is, um, but I'm feeling the bite of loneliness, and maybe you don't have many relationships and, and many friends, and so you don't have that breadth, there will be people here who, who experience that. You know, I've just given some really positive examples of the kind of the single life, but there are some downs. The single life is kind of like this roller coaster at times, uh, at least for me. Um, I've spent many nights just by myself. Not to pity me or anything, but just like that is just the case. Um, And if you're feeling a sense of loneliness, can I encourage you to be reminded of what you've been brought into? 1 Peter chapter 2, sentence 9 says this. Come up. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God chose you to be part of something bigger than yourself. This royal priesthood, the holy nation, God's special possession. The grandness of this calling is far bigger than you as an individual. And to mitigate kind of loneliness is to to jump into the body of Christ, this royal priesthood. It's actually, you know, and we think about that. It's not just the singles that do that. It's all of our responsibility. You know, as a church, we are to love others as a church family and jump into church life. It can be as simple as being present in the body. So what does that look like? Well, um, thinking about church life, show up to your community group. This may be one of the few nights that a single person has with other believers and people. It might be one of the few that they do. Show up to church. Your presence here matters <laughs> for the body of the Christ to thrive. Um, you know, I get I get stoked when uh, a married person makes it to church by themselves if their spouse is sick. Not like severely, just you know, like a cold or something. Um, not because I and I also not because I think ill of the other person. Um, but it shows a devotion to the body of Christ that goes beyond their marriage. Married, so marriage, be wise when you decide not to come to church because of your spouse. It impacts the body. Uh, for families, um, involve singles in your family life. And can I say, um, not just for babysitting, it's great, babysitting is awesome, still do that like them like awesome to babysit, um, but involve them at other times that values them more than just their service your family will be blessed by their presence but also this is the kicker in doing so you are teaching your children what it means to be part of the family of god that though they don't share the same bloodline as them that through the blood of christ that they are family what a significant thing to teach your children uh, another thing is that we need to consider is, um, is holidays. Um, if you haven't been single for a while, uh, you need to know that even going on holidays, it can actually be pretty challenging. Um, As you get older, um, you kind of move away from those uni holidays where everyone's on the same kind of holiday break time, uh, and then you start working, and then people have families, and so then kind of coordinating your calendar with others and making sure you have enough leave balance with others and, you know, putting that all on a calendar can be hard. Um, I've been blessed with many great friends. Um, The other week, uh, Jono and Andy, who are a married couple at at 4 p.m., we went to the Hunter Valley and it was awesome. Uh, We had a great time. Uh, It was interesting, though. Uh, Some of the reactions, when I told people uh, we were heading away uh, together, they were like, oh, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, (laughs) But they blessed me with their time, and I hope I did vice versa, that I blessed them. But we're family, and family's holiday together. Um, but while these things are great of, of great help in ensuring that the body of Christ thrives and that we are being one body and united, and there's so much more to it than that, um, of most value, of most value in your singleness, to thrive most is to understand and hold on to your identity. You are not single first. You are a follower of Jesus first. You are secure in His love. He will never let you go. Life doesn't begin at marriage. You have been given new life already through Christ. If marriage is an idol for you, can I encourage you to not let it take you down, to not let it sideline you from activity? Because being single can have a meaningful impact in witnessing the gospel to others as you hold on to your identity. And so a litmus test uh, to seeing how you're tracking with this would be to ask yourself, would others look at your life, single, and be astounded by your joy in God? A culture that says marriage and sex is everything, yet is confounded in you. And there's a lot that you can indicate about the gospel from your actions. How you live, how you spend your money, how you spend your time. This indicates that this life isn't all there is. You know, Paul uh, encourages us elsewhere in that Corinthians passage that the present form of this world is passing away. Marriage is not the goal. It ends. The goal is Jesus. And as 1 Peter uh, 1, sentence 8 says, and it come up and scream, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, You believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. How powerful a witness it would be to shift from the normal cultural scripts of singleness to this expression of joy with your identity firmly rooted in Christ. Though you don't even see Christ now, that He is the goal that your life is building towards. Jesus is the roar of the crowd at the end of that race, at the finish line. Jesus is that final brushstroke of a masterpiece that's waiting to dry. He is the goal. He is the race. He is all. If your prayer life is just like, find me a husband, find me a wife, though not bad things, show a disproportionate waiting in light of eternity. The witness of showing you live for eternity and live with Jesus is powerful. If someone asks you how you're finding this singleness, you can say, yeah, It's challenging. But there is so much more to come. When you're over moving house time and time again, you can be sure that your home is not in this earth. It is not in this world. Your home is in heaven. You can say that as Lamentations 3, 22 to 23 tells us. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Being married or single has no impact on God's love for you. And you want, Satan loves it when you forget this. He wants you to believe the lies, that, um, the lies that you are single because God doesn't love you and there's something wrong with you. He wants you to believe that God is not powerful enough to find you a spouse. He wants you to believe that uh, this that life is too hard uh, and you should just give up and keep, not keep going. These are, are the lives that are counter to the truth of the gospel. So please, fuel yourself with Scripture. See how much wealth there is. Counter these thoughts and show the world that Christ is enough. You know, if you find yourself slipping in this thinking, um, probably, like, don't listen to, like, Ed Sheeran. Like, avoid that for a while. Um, listen to some worship instead. Perhaps put aside the rom-coms for a while. Don't watch How I Met Your Mother. Just avoid that show. Um. Look, I don't know if I'll be single my whole life, but I am now. And it would be a waste of my time and mental energy, and it has, to be obsessing over being married. There have been times when I've definitely felt that, and I've learned from that, and I've learned that, wow, I am so secure in Christ and His love. And as I ride the roller coaster, there will be times when I feel low. But those times don't define me. My identity is in another person. Yes, it is. But that person is not of this world. It is Jesus. And I know that His love goes beyond that of any partner could. The cross where Jesus bled and died for me to take away my sin and rebellion, to show God's love, to bring me peace with God, to bring me union with Him, is beyond what any marriage, any child, any friend or family could bring, even though they have fantastic, great gifts. Jesus' love is better than that. Being in Christ is what is important. And if you're here and you don't know this, or you're struck by some of the things that have been said, can I encourage you to investigate this further? I encourage you to know this truth and this love. And for those of us here who do know it, we can show the world of the value we have in our precious relationship with Christ. Though our culture wants to base our identity on our sex lives, this, this pales in comparison to, to who we are in Christ. What a good thing. I think about 10 years ago now, um, I had a prayer. Um, sometimes past Cam, he had some good things going on. And, and, and one of those things was a, was a weekly prayer that I had, that God would help me reach the final day where Jesus and I met face-to-face. And Jesus would say, well done, good and faithful servant. You didn't waste away your singleness. Thank you. Let's pray that now. Will you pray with me? Father, your love goes beyond anything in this world. Father, you bring us into a family where we can be united, that we are one body in Christ that Christ is the head. Thank you that you have given us brothers and sisters. Thank you that there's so many people here at different places and times and stages in their life. Thank you that we have children who run around and bring life and joy to our church family. Thank you that there are single people here using their time now to glorify you. And Father, we pray that we would be a church family who honors singleness, that cares for the single people, that uses singleness well to glorify your name and lift it high. We pray that we would be a church that thrives, that we are a church that loves to go out and bring you glory in whatever place that we are at. Father, give us this encouragement. Give us the fuel that we need to go on. Father, we want to do this because we love you and because you have first shown us love. Thank you for all we have in Christ.